I believe God put a specific light in your heart for a purpose, for you to shine it into this world in a way that nobody else can. A light that is unique as the print on your finger. And our job is to take that light and go love people with it in this world. Everywhere you go, you have a ministry. You don't just have to be a preacher to have a ministry. Your light is your ministry. It's how you shine it at your job, at your family, at the dinner table with your friends, at the movies, at the park, at your apartment. Everywhere you go, you are made to shine your light. Do it. Be it. Love people. Be kind. Honor them. Honor yourself. This is made to shine. Y'all, we're getting my southern twang out today. Y'all, I was just chowing down on some Greek yogurt with cinnamon, which is like my favorite snack dessert treat in the entire universe. And I had to put it up. Took about two spoonfuls and I was, I said tune, I meant two, two spoonfuls. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh, we're doing this. We're recording. We got to go. I... It's such an interesting time. It's such an interesting time. And I feel so blessed and honored. I'm seeing God move in just the coolest ways. And and I say that, I used to, when I heard growing up, people say like, I'm seeing God move and, and I hear God. I've been hearing God so much more nowadays. And I used to hear that and be kind of ticked because I was like, do you think you're better than me? Like, does God love you more than me? Cause you're seeing him move and you're hearing him and hearing from him and having more clarity in your life than I am. So are you implying that God loves you more? And what I learned is that God is always there. It's just when you intentionally seek him, You know the saying, like, where your focus goes, it grows? It's the same with anything else. Like, have you ever watched a TV show and you became obsessed with that TV show and you find yourself sometimes acting like the characters in the TV show? Like, I used to do that as a kid. I would watch um, Wizards of Waverly Place and, like, sometimes try to be funny like Alex Russo because I was so obsessed with that show and it's all I watched. Well, it's the same when we seek God. Like, when we get in God's word... It's it, that's where our focus goes. That's where it grows. But with God, because He's God, because He is God of the universe, and God let put Jesus in this world, and when Jesus left, he, the Holy Spirit was given to all of us. It's a different experience in that you don't just find yourself like starting to tap into the power within you that is the Holy Spirit, but you also see things happening and you see things moving. It's like a veil that's been taken off your eyes, and. This past, it always surprises people when I, I got my first Bible in college. I mean, that's pretty late. Like for someone who grew up in a Christian household, like to say you got your first Bible in college is pretty late. And I didn't even seek it out. It was given to me by someone who heard I didn't have a Bible. And after I got that Bible, it was actually years, like a year Two years or so, yeah, it was two years after I got the Bible. I got the Bible my junior year. It's about two years. So we were in COVID when I actually started reading it. 
And the reason there was that prolonged time was because I was so in love with God. Like I I was, I loved, I loved God. I loved, loved, loved God. And I was afraid that when I read his word, I wouldn't understand it and thus make me feel as if the relationship I had with God isn't real or he doesn't love me. I was afraid of the Bible. I was afraid of my own misunderstanding. I was afraid of my own lack of knowledge. I was afraid of my own um, lack of revelation. I had been relying on preachers to give me the word of God. And I say that because that's where a lot of us are, especially us youth. We rely on YouTube shorts and Instagram and TikTok to get our fresh word of the day. I will tell you from someone who spent years with a very strong relationship with God. Like I, um, I loved God. It was, I think in a way that was a blessing because I developed a personal relationship with God, AKA one that I never limited my relationship to God based off the walls of a church. Um, I think uh, the other story with people following Christ is that they sometimes, it becomes a little too authoritarian in the sense that they, they almost look at God as a a teacher that's going to smack them on the wrist with the ruler if they mess up. And I had the opposite experience in that I started with this personal relationship, this God that I knew that I knew that I knew loved me so much. And I fell in love with his love for me. And then there was this desire in my heart to want to get to know him more. And the only way to do that at first was I was like, oh, YouTube, preachers. And then it was like, but that's just not enough. And I felt it and I knew it. And so I I dove into the word. Long, long-winded way of saying, there's no God loves so-and-so more than you. If someone is seeing God move in their life, if someone's hearing from God, it's just because they're more aware of it, because their focus is on the word. God's voice sounds like his word. His voice sounds like his word. And something I've been holding myself accountable to, especially the past couple of years, is I'm not saying give up Netflix and only read the Bible. Like at first, my mom was like, okay, I'm gonna have to give up all this stuff and only read scripture. And and I just felt God say, no, we're doing this sustainably. You're not gonna treat getting in in my word like a diet where you cut to 1,200 calories and only do that for two weeks because it's not sustainable. I want you to really get to know me, which means you need to understand I'm in every aspect of your life. And in regards to reading scripture, you need to make it sustainable. And so I started doing 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes at night. And you know, what's funny is I want to read more over the past couple of years, like that time, sometimes it's grown, sometimes it's still 10 and 10, but it's grown because that desire's grown. And so just a side note, if you're someone like, I want to see God move, I want to hear from him more, I want things to be clearer, God's voice sounds like his word. Get in the word. Don't rely on a preacher. Preachers are great. I love preachers. And, if, and some of you could think of like these Sunday Made to Shine episodes as getting your word in. I love that. I love that I can be a vessel. I love that your preacher can be a vessel. Maybe your mom, your dad, your sister, your friend, whoever can be a vessel. But you know who is the ultimate vessel? Well, Jesus. But second to that, the disciples that wrote the word. 
get in God's word. The Bible is a vessel. And what's cool is, I once heard it put this way, it's the only book that will read you back. When you read the Bible, God is going to show you stuff. Your spirit's going to show you stuff that maybe that preacher didn't get because he or she isn't you. And so, like I said, I've been in this sweet time where I've just been, I've been seeing God do things in a way that I never would have, uh, I never would have put together. I never would have chosen, but I also never would have dreamed of or tried to orchestrate. And what's so funny and what we're going to talk about today is this idea of like becoming somebody because my whole life, I struggled. I would say one of the biggest struggles of my life. I mean, until I can way remember, and this might just be because I had amazing, incredible siblings that were like annoyingly good at everything. Um, This idea of being someone, like being significant. So uh, I've told this story before and, and I always uh, put this disclaimer. I have the best parents in the world. Like if, if I am lucky for anything, I would say God's blessed me with a, with a ton. Um, but my unfair advantage in life, Brendan Burchard says this too, but my, my Annie Mayfield's unfair advantage in life is that I had two parents, and I still do, I have two parents that love me more than life itself. And they provided for me in ways that, and I'm not talking just financially, I'm talking with love, with care, with encouragement, with 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 God, like with just true service. That was my unfair advantage in life, was I had two parents that um, are the best parents in the world. And I'm biased because they're also the only parents experience that I have. But growing up, I use that disclaimer because what I'm about to say can be misconstrued if you haven't heard this. Like I had, I have three siblings and my mom had four kids under four years old. So we all literally grew up together. My siblings are freakishly talented. I mean, like freak, we have a freakishly talent, like my siblings are annoyingly talented in my eyes. Uh, I talk about this in my first book, but like my little brother is the kid that, you know, he's so naturally athletic. It almost makes you want to throw up a little bit because he is the kid that, you know, eats a cheeseburger from McDonald's before the game and goes and beats everybody that ate like their tofu smoothies. I mean, I don't think you put tofu in smoothies, but you know what I mean? Like the kids doing jumping jacks and stretches and my brother would be like on the couch eating McDonald's and he'd go and whip everybody's butt. And at the same time, he's social. Everyone loves him. Like he's cool. He's collected. He's calm. He's level-headed. My older sister, McCray, oh my gosh, is so freaky smart. I remember she went and studied, she studied so many places abroad, but she studied abroad in Switzerland one year. So in high school, when she came back, we were in the same chemistry class. And I have no idea whose idea it was to put me in honors chemistry, but it was a mistake. And we found that out a week in when my sister and I, we had like three quizzes the first week. And I was like, this is great. McCray and I can study together. And by God, we studied together and she got A plus pluses and I got like D plus pluses. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to regular chemistry. This is, these are not my people. Freaky smart. And then you have Lizzie who, Lizzie was like a freaky good soccer player. She was like junior Olympian. I mean, just again, makes you want to throw up. She's so good at that. She was traveling all the time for soccer. 
and I, I mean, I distinctly remember the recruiting process sucked because in tennis, I was, you go through the recruiting process at different times for different sports, if you don't know. So like tennis recruiting happened my senior year of high school. In fact, coaches, I don't know what it is now, but coaches could not legally reach out to you or talk to you before then. Lizzie, for soccer, the recruiting process literally took place your sophomore year of high school. Because, of course, you know exactly where you want to go your sophomore year of high school. Um, So we went at the same time because Lizzie was held back a year. So she was a sophomore. I was a senior. We were going through the recruiting process at the same time. And I remember there was so much shame for me because Lizzie was such a good soccer player. I was not the caliber tennis player that Lizzie was soccer player. I wasn't. I had to fight my butt off to get a spot, not a scholarship, a spot on a small division one school. That at the time, it's gotten a little more popular, go Terriers, but at the time, like in, in Atlanta, no one knew what Wofford College was. So when I said I got a scholar or I got a spot at Wofford College to play tennis, one, people said, where is that? Two, they had to ask if it was division one. Most assumed it was division three. Whereas Lizzie, was getting offers from not just one, but like all of the SEC schools. So Georgia, Alabama, Auburn, West Virginia. I mean, they were fighting for her. And I had to fight for a spot on a school no one had heard of. And I remember just the shame, like at Thanksgiving, when we would be with family and we'd all be sitting around and people would be asking about where I was going to school next year. But then of course, we're big football fans, all the stuff. And people were so much more interested in the fact that Lizzie was committed to Auburn at the time or eventually West Virginia. And there's this theme in my life. See, I tell you to tell you my theme, but this theme of being somebody. See, I have all that. I want you to think of what it is for you because we all have it. We have it when we're kids in high school. We have it when we're kids in college. We have it when we graduate and we're trying to find a job that makes our parents proud or makes our friends envious. Or I heard a Mark Twain quote, people will give up a lot of things for love, but they will give up everything to be envied. And I, I, I don't love that quote. It almost breaks my heart because of the truth in it right? It's like we all have this idea of being someone and, and having a status and having a rank and, and having this clout. I mean, we live in a culture where clout is literally celebrated and it is pasted on Instagram and TikTok. It's like, do you have the blue check mark or how many followers do you have or how many likes or shares or whatever do you have and subs do you have? And we all have this fear of not being anyone. I mean, by the time you graduate middle school, my preacher said this today, it's like you can't put your diploma of middle school on your fridge without someone asking you where you want to go to college. You can't go through your junior year of of, of high school, of high school, without someone asking you, what do you want to be when you grow up? I mean, isn't that the question? What do you want to be? 
And I think that's changed with our culture. Like instead of doctor, lawyer, or teacher, it's now like YouTube influencer or TikTok reality star or whatever. But still the question is, what do you want to be? Because we all feel like we have to be somebody. Who are you going to be? Who are you going to be? Who are you going to be? Because that's going to determine how much money you make. And that's going to determine your worth. And nowadays, I don't even think people care that much about making money. I think they care about being known. It's like they want to be known. It's the recognition. We live in a world that celebrates and applauses and praises recognition more so than making money. I personally have had the, the the pleasure of being friends with many YouTube influencers. When I say many, I'm friends with like five. There's five YouTube influencers. Each of them have like over 100K followers that I'm actually dear friends with. And what they make is less than I make in my corporate sales job. Like my core, if I took out, if I did not include any other income I make from my nutrition business, from my books, from my speaking, if I took that out and I'm just looking at my corporate level sales job, these YouTube influencers make, make less than that, but they love being known. They love being famous and, you know, quote unquote famous. They, they, they love being recognized. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying it's just a fact. This this new wave of people, this new generation, they like being recognized and a lot of times more than paid. It's interesting. Um, and I was really thinking about that. I was thinking about this idea of becoming, becoming someone and how in our day and age, we feel like you have to be put somewhere, either at a job, at a school, with a rank or a status or a title, and that determines who you become. And I was praying about that, and and I'm really, for some reason in my spirit, it's like I am obsessed with Genesis right now. Uh, for a long time, I felt it was just weird things were happening in my life that kept bringing me back to the story of Noah, like building a boat. And there's a song called Build a Boat, and it's become kind of an anthem for my life. And it's like, I will build a boat in the sand where they say it never rains. And it's just like you, it's just this beautiful story of like, I will build a boat in the sand where they say it never rains. I will build a boat in the desert when everyone says it's crazy, when I don't see it yet. And it's become such an anthem for my life because I think what I'm learning about becoming someone is that what you do the position, the field, the status, the rank, the title, the job, the salary, the YouTube follower number, that doesn't determine your becoming. That doesn't determine who you are. Your becoming comes before that. Your becoming came way before you ever were put somewhere to work, to show up, to serve, your becoming became for that. And if your becoming came before that, that means your worth came before that. That means your value came before that. Because if you were worth becoming someone, and in order to become someone, it means God gave you life. If you were worth God giving you life, and that came before you started work, that means your work can't take away your life, the value of it, the worth of it. One of my favorite anecdotes before I get to Genesis is like, I think it's in John. It talks about when Jesus, he, um, 
you know, he's entering the scene where John the Baptist is baptizing and Jesus comes in and, and, and God says, you know, and everyone hears, this is my son for who I'm well pleased. And I love that. Like th- that used to bring tears to my eyes because think about it. God said that. Think about the context. Like Jesus, he's 33. He's lived. I mean, we don't really know. There's like a whole lot of Jesus's life that we just don't know. You know, it's kind of like, this was not on Hulu. Like, we don't know this part of Jesus's life. It's not on The Chosen, right? It's like, we don't know it. He's not performed any of the miracles. He's not healed a blind man. He's not stopped the internal bleeding. He's not caused the huge amount of fish. He has not healed the leper. He's not raised from the dead. He's not filled the barrels with wine. He's not done one miracle. And God says, this is my son for whom I'm well pleased. Two things there. One, God identifies him before Jesus does one miracle. This is my son. That means God isn't defining Jesus's connection to him based off of what Jesus does in his ministry. He is his son before Jesus does one thing. And two, for whom I am well pleased. God is pleased with him. I think a lot of us were like, we have this identity in Christ. We have a really easy time saying, easier time saying, I'm a daughter of God. I'm a son of God. We have a harder time accepting that God likes us. Like God likes us. You ever heard the quote or the saying like, I love you, but I really don't like you right now. I say that every time to like my sisters when they steal my clothes. Anybody feel me on that? Like I, my sisters, they, I have a sister that's 13 months younger than me and a sister that is about almost a year and a half older than me. It's a blood fest when we steal each other's clothes. Even at Love It, like, or even at my, my high school, Love It, my older sister and I, we had uniforms and we would like steal certain sweatshirts. I don't know how it is now. It was like crazy the rules of what sweatshirts you could wear in, in high school, but we would steal each other's sweatshirts and it was a bloodbath. It's like, I love you, but I, I really don't like you right now. And I think some of us think that's how God looks at us. Like, I love you, but I don't like you. I'm not, I'm not pleased with you, but like, I guess I have to love you because you're my son or daughter. He said, this is my son from whom I'm well pleased. He's a son before Jesus does one thing in his ministry. Jesus is his son. God is calling him his son. He's giving him an identity and he's saying, I'm pleased with him. You don't work your way to God liking you. God loves you. He delights in you. He is pleased with you. He likes you. God thinks you're funny. God thinks you have great taste in music. I mean, sometimes. Like God enjoys you. He's not your mom that's like ticked off at you, but it's like, I love you. I love you, but I really hate you right now. Like he's also your friend that sits with you and laughs and wants to just watch Netflix with you. He likes you. He delights in you. He's pleased with you before you work for him. So I think we've got to shift this mindset of like thinking that our work determines our becoming and our work determines our identity and our work determines our value. Because God shows us that before Jesus did one thing, He gave him an identity and he says he's pleased with him. We don't have to work our way for that. And I also want to share one more thing in Genesis that just blew my mind. I am so interested right now. Like I'm creating some new things, 
right? Like this podcast is a huge focus for me. You'll, you'll probably notice I'm interviewing a lot more people. I'm putting it up on a YouTube channel, which by the way, if you like this podcast and it's ever brought you value, please, please go to the YouTube, subscribe. It's what I just launched it. So I'm trying to get some subscribers because that's what can help me get more guests. Also, if you'll write a review, that's what helps me get cooler uh, or not cooler because all my guests have been cool, but more awesome guests on this podcast. Um, but in this process of creating new things, I felt my spirit take me back to Genesis because I wanted to see how God created things. Because if we are made in the image of the ultimate creator, don't you think it's worth studying how he goes about creation? And so something that just tickled me funny is I was in Genesis 2, verse 4 through, verse 4 through 18. And I won't read it all, but I'll read you the parts that really stuck off me. So basically, this is, he's talking about Adam and Eve. So it says like, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And we scroll down a little bit, it says, then the Lord God formed man. So everybody say what formed. He formed man. God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So God formed, he breathed. God formed man, he breathed into man's nostrils and gave him the breath of life and the man became a living, a living being. So God formed, God breathed, man became. That's important. God formed, God breathed, man became. God formed, God breathed, man became. Let's, let's continue. Now the Lord God put, had planted a garden in the east in Eden and there he put the man he formed. So God formed, God breathed, man became, God put. The Lord, and then we scroll down 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. God formed, God breathed, man became, God put, man worked. I feel my spirit doing a little dance on that. God formed. God breathed. Man became. God put. Man worked. I'm going to say it one more time, and I want you to say it with me. I, it's powerful when I say it and you listen. It's 10,000 million bajillion more times powerful when you say it too. Say this to yourself. God formed. God breathed. Man became. God put, man worked. Why did I have you say that and listen to that so many times? Because I want you to hear that man didn't work before man became. Man became before man worked. And we live in a culture that would rewrite that entire thing to God formed, God breathed, man worked, man became. We wouldn't even acknowledge that the work that God puts us somewhere before we work. It would be God formed, God breathed, like God is good. I'm his daughter. I am his son. He loves me. Now I've got to go find a, something to identify me as 
that's a little bit more substantial than I'm a daughter of God, I'm a son of God. Like I need to go be a lawyer as a son of God, a daughter of God as a teacher. Like I need a more substantial title and then I'll become significant and then I'll become important. And then I'll become somebody that's actually worth celebrating, that's actually worth love, that's actually worth praising, that's actually worth clapping for, that's actually worth followers, that's actually worth likes, that's actually worth shares, that's actually worth subscribing to. I need to go find a field to work in and then I will become somebody worthy of breath. And we forget that God gives us breath, not our work. God formed, he formed you first, meaning he knows the design of you. He knows the infrastructure of you. He knows the architecture of you. He knows why you were made to breathe. And he breathes into you and you become a living being. I need to find something that makes me feel alive. Hello. Going back to what I first talked about, that is the word of God. That is God. The breath of life, why you are here, how you are still breathing. With every breath, you are praising him. That's why Yahweh sounds like a breath. Yahweh sounds like a breath. Every breath, you are praising him until the day that you die. Even when you don't acknowledge him, you are praising him. That is the breath of God. That is why you're here. That's what makes you valuable and worthy. Not because the world said you are, not because your subscribers said you are, not because the amount of followers or the blue check mark or the lack of the blue check mark said that you are, but because God said you are. How do I know that? How do I know without even knowing you and seeing your face and knowing your name, how do I know you are worthy? Because you are here and you are listening to this. And because of biology, I know that if you're physically able to listen to this right now, that means you're alive. And if you're alive, it means you're able to breathe. And if you're able to breathe, that very breath in your lungs is evidence that you are valuable because God breathed his breath, his precious, divine, immortal breath into your body. And that is evidence you are worthy of something. You became before work ever got into your life, before a job, a title, a status, before that ever came into your life. And because of that, that work, title, job status, it can never take away your worth. It can never influence your worth. You will never be more or less worthy than you are right now. You will never be more or less loved than you are right now. I don't care if you just got laid off. I don't care if you just became the CEO. I don't care if you just got a check for a million dollars or you just got sued for a million dollars. You will never be more or less loved than you are right now. You are so loved. You are loved in a regard we don't even have the capacity to understand. Because God, who is love itself, made you. Made you. And we who are made in his image, but came into this world and we entered into a world of sin, we literally don't have the capacity to love God back the way that he loves us, but it doesn't stop him from loving us and from breathing life into us. And so every single time you question your worth, you question what you're doing, you question your process, you question your path, you question your trajectory, you question your job, you question anything. I want you to breathe.
is your evidence that you're valuable and that you're worthy, that you are loved, and that you will never, no, never be defined by what you do. I'm not saying don't do anything. Remember, God formed, God breathed, man became, God put, man worked. God designed you to work a field. God put Adam in a garden in the east in Eden to work. We weren't designed to just sit around and make shapes with Play-Doh. Like, we were designed to work, but God puts us in fields. I just think what a beautiful love token that before Adam was sent to work, God breathed life into him. God made sure to let us know that before we're put to work, what defines us isn't the work. What defines us is the breath of life that God gave us. Why didn't God make Adam in the garden? He wanted Adam to work. Remember it said God planted a garden, but then after he made Adam and breathed life into him, he had to take Adam and put him in that garden. So God didn't make the garden and then make Adam in the garden. In order to take someone and put them in a place, it means they're not in that place to begin with. And I think it's because God wants us to know, I didn't make you, I didn't make you with the intention of the value attached to you being defined by the place that you work. I made you with the intention of your value being defined by the creator that breathed life into you. That's why he breathed life into Adam in a separate location than the place Adam initially worked. I think it also is because God wants to tell us there is a degree of separation that has to happen before you go where God has planned for you to work. You must first understand that you come from God. You don't come to work. You come from God. And from God, in that overflow, we are allowed to express our breath of life in the means of work. We come from God, meaning we come to a relationship with God and then go where he takes us. So in this season, maybe you just graduated and you're like, all my friends have jobs. They're going to middle school, school school. They're going to law school. That was me. I remember my senior year. I mean, granted, I graduated during COVID, but all my friends were going to schools and you couldn't pay me to go to school. I hated school. I was not a scholar. If the D plus pluses in chemistry didn't give that away. Um, I was not a scholar. And I knew I needed to get a job. And I was so anxious about it. Because I was like, all this, you know, I got to become somebody. I got to do something with my life. But also, I was so frustrated with God. Because I was like, why do they all know what their next step is? And I don't have mine. I don't have mine. And it was awful. It was, I mean, I cried about it. I was so insecure about it. 
But in those seasons where the interviews didn't work out or I got rejected, was this, was this deep peace and knowing even with the rejections, I am God's. Like this job doesn't define me. Yes, it would be really freaking nice to get a job. And I did get a cake with the, with the name of my first company on it when I did eventually because I was so excited. Um, I'm not going to lie to you there. But there was this sweet period of, okay, I'm not here to be defined by a job. I'm defined by my creator. And wherever he puts me, it's like, it's this prayer that kept coming to mind. And I still say it at times. It's God, if it's my move and not yours, either one, stop it or use it for your plan. If it's my plan and not yours, stop it or use it for your plan. And there were times, like there were jobs that I was supposed to move to DC for and it, it made no sense why they didn't work out. I still don't know why they didn't work out. I mean, it, it, it was God's protection. And wherever you are in life, if you're waiting for that next step, whatever it is, I know that feeling. I know that waiting period. And my advice to you is it's gonna suck, but come back to your breath. Your breath is your reminder. It's your reminder. God is with you. He is for you. I'm gonna leave you with a prayer my preacher gave me. God is not against me. He's in it with me, working through me, fighting for me. Amen. Hey friend, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with me, hang out with my guests and listen all the way through. Hey, listen, before you log off, I have an ask for you. I'm not very good at asking people for things. So really putting my foot forward here and asking that if this podcast has in any way, shape or form helped you, helped your friends, helped your family, helped your spirit, helped your soul, helped your mind, helped your body, helped your heart. Would you please, for your friend Annie, leave a review, leave a comment, put some stars out there, be honest, of course, but it would really help me out if you would like and review this podcast, especially if it's made any sort of impact in your life so that it can then go forth and help whoever else God needs to hear this message. I'm sending you love. I'm cheering for you, rooting for you. Let's go have an awesome day.